Hi, everyone. Feminist Hot Dog here. Just popping in to say thank you so much for listening. The response to the podcast has been awesome, and we really want to keep it going and keep it growing. So if you dig the show and you want to support Feminist Hot Dog, please do two things. Download the episodes and leave us a quick review telling us what you like about it. That's going to help us show up in the rankings, which is super helpful for getting more listeners. So we've had a lot of fun and we are looking forward to some inspiring guests in 2019 and even looking at possibly doing some merch. So stay tuned, keep listening, give us a download, give us a rating, and most importantly, love yourself and love your buns. Here's the show. Please don't go, I need you so I... happening this is how it starts you're making a podcast Wait, we can edit this all out though are you but gonna say to. one two three go i just want to put my podcast voice on <laughs> what is your podcast voice hello i'm terry gross <laughs> <laughs> i think that terry gross might have something to say about that not that your voice isn't lovely i'm sure she would be very flattered but i'm sure she would we're off to an auspicious start <laughs> This is Feminist Hot Dog, the news, talk, humor, and cultural survival podcast by, for, and about women to help you survive our life and our times. And I'm here today with not one, but two guests. I'm making up for that solo show I did um, a couple weeks ago. Doubling up. First Feminist Hot Dog three-way. Woo! 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 Uh, the amazing Shannon and the invincible Leanne. Welcome to the program, two besties of mine and, and of each other. Thank yes. you. We're truly thrilled as you I can mean, tell oh shannon's face is thrilled is really <laughs> revealing her inner her inner feelings right now we're really um we're really excited we're i, th- I would say we're nervous i it's my first podcast <laughs> it's one of our first podcast we're kind of losing our shit you kind of <laughs> you had some some great flow going before i hit record i think you should just you know yeah just shake it off shake it off Here we girls go. i'm gonna pretty much just turn it all over to you now so you ready I'm not sure that's how this works. <laughs> um, I think that you're the leader. Okay. Don't. I'm not going I'm gonna take you by the hand. We're gonna do this. It's gonna be great. Don't let us off our leashes. Okay. Um, I like this I'm keeping the dog theme going. Okay. You're welcome. Well, um, I'm gonna just start off by welcoming you both. Would you each like to say a little bit about who you are as people and how you felt about the year twenty eighteen, which is about to come to a close? Well, my name is Leanne. I felt that 2018 was, eh, mm. you know, mm. I think it was, it was not worse than 2016. <laughs> that was my worst year of all time in a personal way, in every other way as well. I'm sure you all might recall there was some there stuff. There was a thing that happened. Mm. The day you got uh, engaged. That's right. Yep. On the day I got engaged, I went, <laughs> got super excited went back to the house to drink wine and and watch the first woman president get elected and whoops whoopsie whoopsie you couldn't have known it's okay Mm. um but yeah something positive happened that day yeah i know that's the way i look at it too so Um, really we should thank you (laughs) yes thank you for giving us giving us all hope Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um but yeah i think 2018 for me was pretty pretty uh i give it like a b unremarkable yeah like I am in a lovely relationship that has been great and lasted 
10 months pretty good that's really good um so that's been great and probably the highlight and good friends good to see you guys back here in montgomery Mm -hmm. shannon how was your 2018 well uh not as great as yours i would give it a (laughs) c uh obviously not as bad as 2016 i totally agree with you there um however i'm probably gonna die alone and i just got over the dutch flu so but you got over it though I did. That's uh, something. I overcame it. Mm-hmm. Um, is the Dutch just, flu cooler than the American flu? I bet it is. On some mm-hmm. level. On some level, yes. Because. You can smoke weed to feel better. Correct. Mm. Yes. And you can do it in the streets, which I was like, I was in a coffee shop. And of course, I was like that nerd who was like, can I take this outside? He was like, <laughs> yeah, please go. And I was like, okay, you're awesome. Bye. Um. Shannon just got back from Amsterdam, I listeners, did. where she contracted the Dutch flu and was forced to sleep in a very comfortable bed in a beautiful hotel room and then fly back first class. So I did, so my life is horrid. We feel <laughs> a, a little <laughs> bit uh, bad for her, but not actually that bad. I would say there was some good, there was some bad. I feel uh, like any I'm life breaking. lessons that you'd care to share with the folks listening? Um, travel as much as possible. Mm, I like that. Because you get to view different cultures and different experiences and different perspectives. Um, And then also uh, take care of yourself. Mental health is important. Amen to (laughs) that. Times like these. Mm -hmm. And also to not be ashamed of saying that you need to take care of yourself and that mental health issues are important. That has come up a number of times over the over the episodes. This is episode number 10. Wow, double digits. Oh double my digits. Gosh. Oh. This is like a big one. This it's like is an anniversary. Huge, yep. What is 10? Paper? Oh, I Aluminium? don't know. Did you bring me a gift? Yes, we did. We it did. will be delivered it's to you coming shortly. In 1 I hour. Want, okay. In <laughs> right after we leave. <laughs> when we leave, the gift of this podcast Mm. episode will have been given to it you. is it is a gift given the gift of time oh time far is far more valuable than any diamonds or gold you can i agree that's my me. love language quality time oh thanks y'all do you know your love languages nope mm. i guess we don't i think your love language Gosh. is also um, words of affirmation i honestly <laughs> speak all of the love languages folks i really do i was gonna She's say complete package <laughs> Spotify playlists because I feel very mm. loved when you include me. Not only in like you share the playlist, but you invite me to contribute, and that makes me feel loved. Spotify playlists are my favorite way to spend time, making them, listening to them. Well, speaking of um, feeling loved, you mentioned that Instagram post that I put up yesterday, which um, which asked the question, "How are you going to make people feel loved in 2019?" Oh. So I'll throw that out on the table, too, as something I'd like to know. Because I felt I got those little mitts in the mail, and I felt so like, oh, my gosh, somebody sat down and made these for me. Like, I mean, she's a really good knitter, so it probably didn't take her that long. But, like, still. Then she, like, found this cute paper and put them in the mail, and it was, like, my favorite color. That's pretty fucking nice. Yeah, that's legit. That's tight. That's, like, admirable. I feel like that's a step beyond anything I've done. (laughs) And um, recently, we gotta work harder. I know. This I've, question was not intended to shame thank you. Thank you for setting the bar so high. The bar no. is always, she's always set the bar I high know. for us, you know. And we've never met it, but that's why the bar is so high is that we keep reaching. Oh, and then, and that's how we evolve. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's getting higher. 
Um, I would say I would want to write people more letters, which is what I've been saying for 10 fucking years and I've never done it. Excuse me. She's. I'm sorry I cursed. She's not. (laughs) It's going to happen again. Listen, as a feminist, I want you to stop saying you're sorry. Women do it too often. Wow. That's fucking deep. Thank you. You're welcome. Did you say how I did it again? I think it's easier when you're 10 and people give you stationery for your birthday. Like, did people... I used to get a fuck ton of stationery when I was little. It was like every birthday I'd get like three sets. And you just had it. Now you have to sort of go out of your way. Email's so much easier. But I don't really send good emails either. I can send a great email, but I agree that it's not quite the same as Mm -hmm. receiving a letter in the mail that's been handwritten but I'll tell you something else I don't write very well anymore like I like scribble it's hard to read but here's the thing it's your scribble Mm. so like last year I came back or maybe it was the year before I have no concept of time but my grandma used to write me handwritten letters and it was like very special to me so I started writing I went through and started writing handwritten cards and I mailed them off to certain people who had like moved away did I mail one to you I don't think so. It's okay. You don't ask me to contribute to your playlist. Um, So, uh, heat is on. Yeah. But I kind of was like, you know, it's like no one ever looks forward to getting their mail because it's all bills or crap. Um, And then I just think it's nice to like say, hey, what's up? I hope you're having a good time. I've heard letter writing uh, referred to on the Twitter as vintage intimacy. And I really loved that. And I will say that I started journaling as an adult back in August and my handwriting has gotten so much better because I actually write. I just don't, I wasn't ever using my handwriting in any kind of daily way before. And when I did, it was just like, I didn't even feel like I had control over my hand. Like I was like, couldn't even stay on the line if there was a line it's just I would read back over it and I couldn't even read it yeah journaling does, it does make it better yeah I think so writing more letters with right, lined paper with lined paper buying lined paper first Step then one. writing the letters mm-hmm. um making more playlists for people is always just everyone can, everyone can do that universal yeah it's great um more phone calls mm-hmm. more facetiming just in general more effort you know what I mean you know what I appreciate is when you are friends with someone who you can FaceTime them for like five minutes and just be like, hey, I don't need an hour and a half. Like, I just never have that amount of time. And sometimes you really need like a deep major check in. But sometimes you just want to be like, hey, what's up? I'm like walking from one place to another. And I just wanted to, you're good. You're good about that. I just don't like dead air. <laughs> so like it's either I have music on or I'm like FaceTiming people because I'm like, I mean, I also love to talk to my friends and like hear how they're doing or whatever. But We're not just filling your dead air. Thanks, <laughs> thanks, Leanne. Shannon, before we move on, Shannon, is there anything? Your face, your face. What are you thinking? I'm the trying Dutch to think of the last time back? that Leanne FaceTimed me. Oh, no. <laughs> we didn't I'm, really think this. This conversation is taking an unwelcome turn. It's fine. I, we don't have to. Look at us. We're here together. You're, I think feel it's like, like you no, could heal no time your relationship passed. right here, right now on Feminist Hot Dog. Hold hands. I don't want to hold your hand because I'm feeling a little sweaty because oh, I'm on this no. podcast. Oh, I'm not sweating, but well, I might have the nice. flu. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, my bad. I'm going to move us up forward um, since I'm the tour guide on this episode. Um, we're going to talk, well, briefly, I'm going to talk about uh, the Lady Pod Squad shout out that I've been trying to do 
trying to do. I've been doing it the last few episodes. So I'm part of this group of lady podcasters called the Lady Pod Squad, and I have been giving some of my fellow podcasters a listen. And the uh, show I'd like to shout out today is called Southern Mysteries, which I thought you both would appreciate. Um, all having lived in the South for long, long periods of time. And when I say South, I mean like the deep South, y'all. Um, so this is a podcast that explores, <clears throat> excuse me, historical mysteries and regional legends and legendary figures. And it's hosted by a woman named Shannon Ballard, who I believe actually works in radio. And she is great. She has a great voice. She tells great stories. The podcast is very well-produced. Um, the stories are very diverse in their subject matter and in the um, people that they highlight and from all different periods of time um, and just about the weird and sometimes sad but really important things that happen in the South. And as someone who lives here, I feel like this is a, a misunderstood place. Would you not agree? It's totally like, misunderstood. You go to the other parts of the country and they're like, you live where? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? And they don't People have a very weird idea, a lot of very weird and outdated and um, kind of narrow-minded ideas about the South. So I love this podcast, although it does highlight some of the weird and not so great things about the South. So <laughs> we which, have it all, yeah. You know, you have to you have to be honest about that we stuff. We touch everything. Uh, yeah, for reals. And so, for example, the most recent episode, um, this is a good example, is about Harry T. Moore, who was the first martyr, um, known martyr of the American Civil Rights Movement not on the Civil Rights Memorial here in Montgomery, Intrigue. which begins with the Brown versus Board of Education decision in 1958. Uh, but Harry and his wife were murdered in their Florida home on Christmas Day in 1951. So really sad story. And um, Shannon Ballard talks about who killed them and why. Um, so check it out. It's called Southern Mysteries at Mysteries Pod on Twitter. Good job, Shannon. Shout Thank you. Lady <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. That was wrong, Shannon. My bad. Shout out to every Shannon everywhere. I love uh, you all. We're a great bunch. Each and every one of you. Here's where we're going to talk about what made our feminist hearts sing this week. Oh, did it have to be this week? I missed that part. It, okay, I missed that me, detail. Let me start over. Here's where we're going to talk about what makes our feminist hearts sing. Wonderful. The end. Um, not the end of the segment. The end of the it's name the of beginning. the segment. Yes. Because Leanne just started turning really red. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> well, so my story of this happened two months ago. So that's why I'm dating. It's I in know. the recent past. Yeah, it's in the recent past. Um, do you guys know who Brandy Carlisle is? Hell yeah. Who? So that's a yes. Just kidding. Um, if you don't know, I suggest listening to all of her music of all time. I think she is. Start at the beginning. I think catalog. she's one of the best songwriters. Brandy Carlisle, first of all, y'all should really all listen to her new, well, it's not really that new anymore, her latest album, which is nominated for Record Album of the Year for, at the Grammys, which is dope. Um, but she's a queer singer-songwriter, um, and I have loved her for ages. But she, I saw her perform at ACL, which is Austin City Limits, which was amazing, and she silenced the crowd like no one I've ever seen at a festival like everyone was silent listening to her um and she there's she has a song have you listened to the album i have not listened to the new one oh you're gonna I know. weep I, listen i know it's I feel so shame good. 
Okay, uh. so she has this one song on the album called The Mother, which is about her daughter. Um, and there's a line in the song that talks about how she and her wife, like the daughter, like the child was not like an afterthought. Like they like fought for the right to have this kid and like they take it very seriously and it was very intentional and kind of what her name means and bringing her into the world and how she's also going to like be raised to fight for human rights and stuff like that. Um, so at ACL, when she was about to sing that song, she gave this like five minute speech about why it's really important for her standing in Texas to talk about her family and like to talk about her family's rights and what this song means. And it was just like this epic moment of this queer woman who's been she's been out her entire career as far as I know um and just like standing in front of thousands and thousands of people being like my family has the right to exist that's what this song is about that's why voting matters like look at me this is my life like stand up for me basically and I was like that's a fucking badass person like and she does that all the time like many of her shows and if you listen to interviews she talks about that stuff too but I just thought it was I was very inspired by it, and I just think it cemented her as one of the coolest people ever. Well, it's also important to use a stage when you have it. Yeah, definitely. Which she I mean, when absolutely you can, does. When you can get up and voice those opinions and let others feel the way that you feel and be more open, um, I think it's a little bit more powerful Yeah, to make it a little bit deeper than the music. The song is beautiful, and it's also kind of about... The song itself is about how <laughs> when she was... she. Like, people always say, you know, when you have a kid, like, you instantly, like, love them, and it's like, they're your entire world, and you're obsessed with them, and oh my god, oh my god. And she talks about how when her, that, her daughter was born, she was, like, standing in the delivery room, I, I think her wife had the child, and she was standing in the delivery room, like, Googling sociopath, because she was, like, she was literally, like, I feel nothing, like, I don't. I don't know, like, what's wrong with me? And the song, and what she talks about whenever she sings the song is, like, the love that I have formed with my child it was, like, earned. Like, it didn't come just by magic the first it day. It wasn't an evolutionary trick. Right. And so I think that that is also a very feminist message to say, like, people have different experiences with what it means to be a parent or like you know what you feel when your child is born and if you don't feel anything like that's fine too like it doesn't mean you're you know evil or whatever i've heard women who uh carried children to term say that like that you know they felt guilty because you're supposed to have this instant bond which is supposed to be a magical moment like instantaneously Mm -hmm. and that they didn't feel that for you know sometimes weeks or months but but we're all unique and different and you definitely do you definitely earn it when you're a I would, parent. I would feel like I'd be a little angry anyways doing the birthing. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. That's a lot. I mean, it's it a lot to feels, go through. feels like a lot of work. Yeah. But I just thought, yeah, I thought, I thought it was really cool all around how she, I mean, to pack that much into one song also is just like really cool, so... That's that's who I choose. Yeah, Brandy Carlisle. Good on ya. Thanks for sharing. Wow. You're welcome. You really. Yeah. Good luck following that, Shannon. Go ahead. Ah, shit, Shannon. You can do I it. I know this is so fucked up. <laughs> All right. So, feminist heart saying. Um. Well, 
I've been mulling this over and just in this moment, because Leanne did such a great job, I've changed my feminist heart saying to um, kind of having my own moment of uh, clarity with myself and my body and who I am and what I want. And so this is going to get a little personal. That's okay. Mine's personal too. Um, but I recently had a hysterectomy, which I think a lot of women can't understand. And so, and for, well, and for me it was like an easy decision. So it's because I had endometriosis. And so it's like a, it was a medical decision to have one. But at the same time, it was like a very intense moment walking into my doctor's office who gave me some other options. And then for me to stand up and say, what about a hysterectomy and just solving the problem instead of, you know, putting more band-aids on it. Um, And the discussion that I had with my doctor, who's female, who was like, are you sure you don't want to have kids? She's like, are you in a relationship? I said, no, I'm not in a relationship right now. And she's like, what if you meet the right person tomorrow? And I was like, I still don't want to have kids. And even if I did, there's fostering, there's adoption. There's many ways. There's a million ways to become a parent. You don't actually have to give birth to a child. But uh, she looked at me and she was like, okay, I think you're making the right decision. And then she stepped back and she said, also, this is just coming not as a doctor, but as your friend. If you meet someone who's mad at you for doing something medical to help your body, then you're not, that's not the right person for you. And I was like, totally agree. But there was this moment where I was like, should I tell people I had a hysterectomy? Because it feels like, will people look at me weird that like, I don't want to have kids and that I like completely taken that up that option off the table and instead I just embraced it and every time someone asked me why I was out and why I had surgery I said it was a hysterectomy and I think people were like very um kind of taken aback by that answer but for me it was kind of like this is the woman that I am have people been telling you their own stories or stories of people they know um some people have told me stories about people they know but most people just really don't say a whole lot and I think it's because people don't know how to react because mm-hmm. they think it's like some kind of terrible thing. I'm like, it's not a terrible thing. It's a positive thing. Well, and we just don't talk about reproductive health very often ever in our culture. I mean, I think amongst women we do. But even, I mean, I'm gonna actually, it's just interesting that you brought this up because there's a listener letter that I'm going to read a little bit later that somebody wrote in after we did the episode talking about what happens when you don't like having sex anymore. Mm. And even like if you have a female doctor sometimes like that there's not a, there's not a ton of transparency or, or like it's awesome that your doctor said that to you and was so affirming because I think a lot of times the, the thought of like, Oh, doing anything to jeopardize your fertility will just like ruin your life. I think that that is more frequently the message that women get at the doctor. Yeah. It was kind of like one of those things where I think she was doing her job at first where she was like, let me just ask some questions to see how you answer them to make sure that like, it sounds like you're ready to make this decision, which is I'm all for. Um, but then I will say that as the, uh, days went on and when I went to go have the procedure, there was like a lot of those like hazy, like where the people don't want to like say a lot of things Mm -hmm. or like they would like kind of glossed over information or like 
not like in a medically hindering way, but like in a, um, they didn't want to just come right out and say things, you know? And I was like, you can. Like, I'm a big girl. I've thought about this. We can this. talk about this. I know what's up. It's fine. I know you're taking my uterus out. You're taking it out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, just, you know, am I going to feel the same? She's like, yeah. I was like, great. <laughs> She's like, except you'll feel better because you won't have any problems. And I was like, super. Sounds so, great. It is. So I'm uterine free, 2019. 2019. You know what I mean? No more endo. No. No more ute. Also, for all you ladies listening, it's a feminist podcast. Uh, Endometriosis is not a joke, and it is something I think that we don't talk about often enough as being a um, disease and something that you should have checked out. But when you're in pain and you think something's wrong, you should always talk to your doctor about it because it can turn out to be like a really, really um, serious problem. Some people it isn't, but for some people it is. And so I think not enough people um, bring attention to it. Well, thank and you for should. bringing You're attention welcome. to it. I love it. Thank you. Um, well, both of your stories made my feminist heart sing. That's what made my feminist heart sing in the last five minutes. Um, but going back a few days, um, I was in, well, I was with my family over Christmas and my sister we're, we're into getting each other like experiential gifts. So she rented us one of those karaoke rooms where you can just Fun. do, you can just order as many drinks as you want and only really like, let it out and just do it. And yeah. You just be with like you the people that no you fucks. do not give a fuck. Exactly. Yeah. So we were, I was there with my sisters and my husband and brothers-in-law and um, I'm from an all girl family. So, which I've always been really grateful for. And so we, the sisters saying, uh, you ought to know by Alanis Morissette and goodbye <laughs> Earl by the Dixie. Oh, Chief. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. yes. And when I say saying, I mean, those like, black eyed peas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, screamed at the top of our lungs and it felt so good. And I mean, those are some pretty, those are both pretty vengeful, like fucked up songs. Um, But they are still perfect karaoke pop songs. And it was really fun to sing them with my sisters who, you know, all of us knew every single word. And my brother-in-law actually commented that he never knew what Goodbye Earl was about, which Mm. I was like, it's dark. Wow. It is not. A happy song. It's, but it, it feels happy it when you're singing. It's not, but, it's, th- but, but it's, then, like, I love singing that song. It's twisted. It's real twisted, but it's also, like, extremely satisfying. And I like to think that our passion, like, opened his eyes. Like, I think that that's what made him really listen to the lyrics because every woman I know um, knows every word to that song or at least knows... Even if they don't listen to country music, they at least know what that song is about. It's, you oh, know, they yeah. get it. You Marianne don't have and to. Wanda were the best of friends. Mm-hmm. I mean, they I ended up that... buying a roadside stand <laughs> and selling Tennessee ham. I think that was like the first song I heard. I can remember at least about like a female friendship that was so intense. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, Mary and Wanda are fucking tight. Like they are like, <laughs> they are like buds. I remember singing that song during a rain out in a softball game when I was like 16, which was a very long time ago when that album came out and I sang it with four different teams and all the girls knew all, this, all the, all the words. Yeah. Cause, cause you do, even if you don't think you do, you do. You do. Um, Put it on right now. <laughs> Let's test ourselves. Let's do it. Well, I'm going to, um, 
continue to hijack my own episode and continue I talking. I love this. Yeah. If you don't mind, because this reader letter that I, I don't have a Dear Feminist Hot Dog letter this week, my listeners have been slacking. So all y'all. She is not throwing shame. Get your, no, I am it throwing shame. It was the shame. holiday Get season. your shit together. I know you have problems. You were just all home with your families. Something fucked up happened and you listen, need advice. But listen, you're 100% right. I agree with you, except the fucked up shit just happened. Oh. So there's processing, right? Okay, you're right. And now it's like you have to write the letter and you're, you're like, more okay. more compassionate than I am. I'm sorry, listeners. I That's back. part of my 2019. Compassion? Mm-hmm. For people who might not know, what is the best way to, to submit? Ooh, great question. Is that on the website? Well, funny you should ask, Leanne. If you have a question or comment, you can DM me on Instagram or Twitter or drop me a line at hello at feministhotdog.com or visit feministhotdog.com and fill out the contact form. Thank you for, all, thank all, you for all, the reminder. All many of those ways, which this listener did. And I'm going to withhold her name uh, for privacy reasons, but she was very sweet. She said, I'm enjoying the show. I just listened to episode six and I wanted to share. Uh, That's the episode where we talked about um, not enjoying sex anymore. I want to share that I'm 42 and I have experienced some really extreme medical reasons that shifted my sexual behavior and desire. I had cancer. I was given immunotherapy, which completely placed my thyroid out of order. I was in upheaval until medication balanced what my body once did. I then had a transplant and a lifetime supply of chemotherapy. When I tried having sex after, it was painful for the first time ever. I learned that chemo can actually thin the vaginal walls. Um, like so many female health issues, I had never heard of this. I had also had never heard of this. Um, and I also had a really difficult experience with a naturopath who didn't seem very concerned about my ability to enjoy sex. Which, I mean, I would hope that like a naturopath would be a little more in tune to that kind of thing, but apparently not. Um, ultimately, I was given a cream to rebuild the thickness of my vaginal wall. All very simple, except the path not being made simple for me as a patient. I bring this up because the conversations about my sexual abilities and desires were brought up, had to be brought up by me. When I heard your listener's message, I thought about the many physical things doctors don't consider or ask women. It's not part of our checkup. It's rarely part of our annual gynecological visit to be asked if we are enjoying sex. Self-advocacy in the doctor's office is crucial as part of our, our agency. I recall being accused of not being a virgin at my first gynecological visit. I'm raising my girls to be empowered with doctors. I hope sharing this information helps some women feel empowered as they go to their next doctor's appointments. With love, sign... Oh, I'm not going to give her name. But I was so like honored that she yeah. shared all that with me. We had a little exchange. I think, I think this was actually on Facebook. Um, and... It's interesting. After that episode aired, I had I also, you know, had multiple people sort of talk to me about their experiences and say they're just not getting what they need from their from their doctors about this at all. I mean, even just in terms of like basic diagnoses or information, much less like are you able to have an orgasm? Is your medication working out for you in in the sack? Like that kind of stuff. Like is just not being brought up whatsoever. Yeah, I think it's. I think it's something that people shy away from and because it seems maybe like a per maybe it's because it's such a personal thing to ask someone. But I feel like when you're in a doctor's office, especially a gynecology office, that is question. That's a, the questions your doctor should be asking you. However, I will say that when I went and went, uh, when I said I wanted my hysterectomy, um, 
I brought that up and I said, you know, I was like, am I still going to want to have sex? Am I still going to like, is all of that going to be the same? And of course for me, the answer was yes, because, um, as long as you have a minimum, like a minimum of one over, you have two. So like, as long as you have one, I don't know why I'm wording it this way. Um, as long as you have an ovary, your home, your hormones are still the same. So like, I wasn't worried about it, but I was the one who brought it up. Mm-hmm. Like I pushed the issue. Um, but then during post-op, they were very like, they grazed over the issue of sex. So they were, because I'm not supposed to have sex for like eight weeks post-op. And I think the way that they worded it was, um, don't put anything in your vagina. <laughs> And I was like, do you think that should be the name of this episode? (laughs) Yeah. This is welcome to feminist hot dog. This is don't put anything in your your vagina. Um, so I was like a little bit drugged up. So to me, I was like, this is hysterical. And like, I was curious if it was because I was having surgery in a, in the deep South, if this is like why we weren't talking about it. Cause I'm originally from California. So like if we were, if this was a, surgery there would it have been worded different would it be more open no tampons no dildos no fingers well here's here's my thing i just got a hysterectomy so you've already taken one of those off the table it's not gonna be a tampon so it's for Mm. sure probably a sexual activity of some sort am i right think about that yeah i was like "Mm, you solved one problem if i'm still putting tampons up there what a waste (laughs) (laughs) um but it was just so weird about the no vagina. And this was not my doctor. This was like the nurse. And I was like, okay, so there's only so many things you can put in your vagina. And most of the time it's for sexual pleasure. I'm sure I'm not throwing shade to anyone who does put things up there um, for other reasons. <laughs> um, but I thought it was really weird that that's how it was worded. But then when I went to see my doctor post-op, she was like, no sex. And I was like, got it. Because I'm a big girl. Because can... you can use the words mm-hmm. intercourse, sex. You could say just, you know, don't do anything that, you know. Don't let anyone finger bang you, Shannon. Yes. I, well, just say it. I mean, it would have been odd, I think, to have the nurse said, don't let anyone finger bang you, Shannon. I think that would have been amazing. <laughs> Brittany and I did not get that close. However, she could have said, you know, don't have any, just refrain from having any kind of sexual just relations leave, leave for alone eight weeks. for a while. Like, just let her be. Let her be. Can I tell a doctor story that's not related to sex real quick that happened Absolutely. to Absolutely. That I thought just was very, very funny and weird and cute. So I went to a new doctor. I love my old doctor, but our insurance changed, whatever. So I go to this new doctor for my annual physical last week, and she, you know, they ask, like, do you smoke? Do you drink? Whatever. I was like, no, no smoking, no drugs, drinking, yes. And she was like, okay, cool. So would you say how many drinks per month? Like one to two. And I was like, per month? Per, like, do that, you mean per hour? I was like, that's your starting point is one to, this is Washington DC. Like what? One to two a month. Why are you even drinking at all? I was like blown away by it. So I was like, and it was also just like very humbling. So I'm like, okay, so no more than that. And she's like, okay, three to four per month. And I was like, nope, it's more. And she was like <laughs> five to six per month. And I was like, okay, what we're going to need to do is take it down to the week level. Like, <laughs> you're wasting my time, I was lady. Like, how long is this going to go on for? One to two a month, I Ten said. 10 to 12 a month? 
just insane. as her eyes get bigger. I just think someone should do a coffee table book of like doctor experiences stories. Well, I'm sure we should do that because it sounds like a great idea. All right, well, we're going to transition to talking about the Hot Dog Hall of Fame. Hot Dog Hall of Fame. I know, I really need to get that music. I mean, I think you just got it recorded for you right now. Will you sing it together? Hot Dog Hall of Fame. Oh, that just like brought a little tear to my eye. That was really lovely. Really good. Good job, Shannon. Good job. Are you professional singers? We are. Are we launching your career right now? You are. Duet? Yes. We are definitely a duo. What's our name, Shannon? Um... I will tell you after this. <laughs> you could be Shanna Lee. Mm. No, you don't like that. Duo. Leannon. Leannon. Leannon rings like a bell in the night. We're doing the same We're thing, which is different. I love it. You need an auto harp for sure. Whatever that is, I'm ordering it on Amazon tonight. It's I a mean, harp that, a harp that plays itself. <laughs> Is that right? You're adorable. Thanks. Mm. Who wants to go first? Who wants to talk about their feminist? Shannon does. Oh, I do. Okay. Um, well, I have two because I'm greedy. Um, and I have really tried hard to avoid as much news as possible, but also pay attention to women doing great things in the world. Um, but I feel more inspired by people that I know on a personal level, especially in the past year in the past, well, the past years. Um, and so my first was a previous guest. Her name is Valerie Downs. I, maybe I should have just said Valerie. I almost chose we'll her, be her I know. Um, and the reason I chose her is because as a mentor in my career, uh, she always made sure to remind myself and others to make sure that we were hiring women, making sure that women had voices, making sure that our voices were heard specifically mine. She gave me a lot of, um, empowerment through my own voice, but career wise, it, it was really, it was really important to, um, hear someone that you look up to discuss how important women are and making sure that as you're, you know, hiring out or reaching out to people that you are constantly aware of how many female voices are being heard. Because as we know, in almost all fields these days, it's a male dominated world and it's very easy to be doing your job for so long that you don't realize that you've been hiring a bunch of men, especially in art. Cause you're looking at something that's visual, right? So it's like, it's, it's, you're not always thinking about who did the piece. You're looking at something, you're like, this looks good. This is the style I want. But it's also important to think about who's doing that. As I listened to her discuss hiring, being making sure that you're hiring women and that women's voices are heard, I was like, I need to be more proactive also in making sure that specific voices are heard. So um, people of color, people um, in the queer community, uh, the entire LGBT community. Um, I just recently hired someone and had them do something that was, um, trans related and then realized that they were transitioning after the fact. And I was like, what a beautiful moment that was. 
um, because I didn't even realize it at the time that this person may have had a stronger connection to the, the piece they were working on. But I felt like I was like, what a beautiful, like harmony that came about. Um, but she really inspired me to make sure that as a woman, my voice was heard, but also that other women's voices were heard. And my other feminist hot dog is a friend of mine. Um, her name is Jackie. She does immigrant removal defense in California. And the reason she is um, up for my Hall of Fame uh, is because she is a immigrant. She is a woman of color. Um, she is a lawyer. And um, I think, number one, just being female and in the world of law has got to be a difficult task to take. Um, it's such a male-dominated, specifically white male-dominated field that being a woman, um, I think it takes incredible uh, courage and dedication and probably 10 times the work to get where you want to be. But specifically as a Latino, as a Latina woman, it's um, I think even harder. I want to say that the statistics are less than 2% of lawyers in America are Latina, and uh, I I can't imagine what it would be like to walk into classrooms or courtrooms or um, go on job interviews where I kind of felt like I was the outsider or I felt like I had to work a little bit harder based on the color of my skin and my gender. And I think that she has inspired me to be more proud of my work and be more proud of myself and go after the things that I want because you hear someone's story, you hear them talk about their life and you realize you're like, God, you worked so hard and you had, you were fearless in it and you're doing a job that's amazing and you're in a field where by all means you don't, you're probably not as recognized. And so like, also forgiving those female voices, women, a voice, I would like to give her that voice through the Hot Dog Hall of Fame. Awesome. That she's doing badass work in a field where there's not many like her. Thank you. Well, welcome Val and welcome Jackie. Those are great inductees. Thank it's you. It's tough to follow, but I will try. I bet you're going to do great. Well, it's kind of a risky choice because it's I'm choosing my girlfriend's mom. <laughs> So if I fuck up the story, then it's a little bit like, whoop. <laughs> but I think I have it mostly right. So her name is Michelle Hensley, and she she basically started this entire new like model for theater in America. So she saw a need. She grew, had a theater background, I believe, studied it in college, um, and kind of saw or kind of had this thought that like theater comes off to a lot of people as very inaccessible um, because, you know, it's seen as for rich people and people dress up to go to the theater often and tickets are expensive and things like that. Um, and so she had the idea to take like Broadway level actors and actresses into the, I think the first show they did was at a homeless shelter in California. Um, this is where the details get a little iffy for me, so I'm sorry if I'm messing this up. But uh, so they went and put on a play 
at this homeless shelter and a, like the, she's the way she talks about like the audience interaction with the actors is like really incredible because if you think about it people at homeless shelters or people in prisons or where people in hospitals really understand a lot of plays probably better than like really rich people would <laughs> like Shakespeare for example a lot of those plays are like about those types of people um, or people who have been marginalized or had struggles or whatever um, and so I think she, so basically she founded this nonprofit that's still running in Minneapolis called 10,000 things and they go to all sorts of places in their community and put on these like Broadway level plays um, and the audiences will like shout at the actors or be like don't do that or like ah watch out or whatever and they like really engage with the actors and actresses which they also love so they love to perform for these audiences because everyone's so engaged and it's other cities have taken this idea and like created their own um, organizations that are similar so when I was I read first like I like googled her when I started dating her daughter because I was like what's her what's this lady's deal so the first thing that comes up is like this New York Times profile of her and I'm like oh god okay this is like she's like legit um but so when I first met her we had dinner and I was like kind of trying to pick her brain about how did this happen like tell me the story whatever and she told me I think kind of probably the speech she's given to a million people about the organization and her role in it and everything and she ended it and I was like that sounds I mean it's amazing to hear but also like you left out the parts where you like learned how to fund a nonprofit. you like learned how to raise millions of dollars and like build a board and like all of these things and she, so I asked her to talk some about that and she was basically just talking like you know I went to a class and I learned uh all of this stuff about tax law and I learned all of these things and I'm like it is so incredible that like you had a person who had an idea and just like taught herself everything just like killed it and has totally changed this like sector or like this like sect of the theater world in America and I just think I mean I'm like honored to have met her I think it's like she's like a type of person I would want more people to know about. So that's why I chose her. I love it. Well, I love that both of you chose people who inspired you in this kind of like, I can do these things in my life kind of way. Like I can learn, I can adopt these practices. I can challenge myself to be better. That's so cool. I think you should write them handwritten letters. I do. I think I should as well. Um, but check, yeah, I I'm think it's just back important in with right? you in a few weeks and make sure that this this goal has been. I don't attained. have any stamps. Uh, well, I don't think I can top either one of those. I am not going to contribute to the Hall of Fame <gasps> this week. Thor. I'm going to hold on to my lady and save her for next week because I feel hold like her tight. I really liked that yours were both contemporary and people that you know, and m mine is from 1833. <laughs> so I I. Like, I, I don't know her. She's not still alive? No, she um, didn't make it. Mm. She, As the cool kids say, IRL. I, I don't know her IRL. Um, but she. But this will just be a, a teaser for next week. Ooh. So you got to listen to hear all about her because she is we pretty like fucking rad. 
Elizabeth? Is it Elizabeth Blackwell? I did a report on her when I was a child. Uh, no, her name is Elizabeth, but it's not Blackwell. Oh, wow. So no, Well, I think that that is a good place for us to stop. Although I feel like I could just keep talking to y'all. I know we could just chit chat about life. Go on and on. But you've been a lovely duo. Have we? I, I'm thrilled. Again, I want to remind listeners I had the Dutch flu. The Dutch flu. You did great. Which did is, I? Yeah. Thanks. You're going to get a lot of fan mail, I bet. I hope it's handwritten. It better be after this episode. I feel we really My address pounded, is. We Just pounded kidding. that point home. Well, it is so nice. It's nice to get a letter. It is. <laughs> so our theme music is by Ava Luna and Loyalty Freak Music. We'll see you next week for the very first show of 2019. Until then, love yourself, love your best.